0: This week on Dig Me
1: Out.
0: With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi.
2: Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com. Or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of the union, Jay, we have a union member back with us. He was here last year. He's back again. He's bringing us an album to check out. Welcome back, Darren Lehman. How are you?
3: I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me again.
0: I just realized we had a a little uh, coincidence here. Darren's from Kingston. And we just did a A. Kingston band.
2: Headstones. You guys just did the Headstones. Yeah. that We're going to crack that Kingston market one way (laughs) or another.
3: Uh, So, yeah. Headstones, tragically hip, home of uh, David Usher from Moist. Oh. Uh, The the Glorious Sons, up and coming rock band. Uh, Sarah Harmer, uh, also a really well-known Canadian artist. She's performed with uh, the hip, right? Yes, she has. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So okay. yeah, there was. It's been a musical hotbed
2: over years past and stuff. So I didn't we realize that. We might need that, to uh, take I, a trek to Kingston and beautiful city. And, it's on the uh, water. Yeah, it is.
4: How far is yes, it from it is.
2: Uh, the border? From Buffalo, uh, Niagara oh, Falls geez. that area.
3: That's about four hours, but you can go like Ogdensburg, Canton, Potsdam way, and that's about an hour, roughly. Watertown is about an hour ish so okay the northern new york
2: oh okay you gotta look farther yeah. north got it okay yeah.
3: yeah yeah so we're not far
2: so obviously you brought us a kingston ontario band that we haven't yeah. uh, <laughs> no no nope. i wish i
3: could have i wish i could have
2: do we tap out all we i mean we've done moist we've done headstones we've done tragically hip we haven't done sarah Hamer, hammer 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 yeah. Oh, I was going to get there eventually. I just needed to <laughs> to work through all the op- options, all the vowels, Hermer, all the vowels. Armor. Heimer, no, there's
3: some other there's some other Canadian groups I would like to cover someday. But you know what? They they can wait. I uh, yeah, I'd like this album for a long time. So,
2: share with the audience what you picked. So I picked um, an album
3: by the band Face to Face, and it is called "Ignorance Is Bliss."
2: yes, face to face a band that mm-hmm. I think has been brought up maybe once or twice in the podcast, but we haven't actually dug into them
4: so thank you because this yeah, is uh has been long overdue based on um
2: you know uh, they're they they have a compelling story and uh this is a compelling album to talk about mm-hmm. this is now this is their fourth record we'll get do. Everybody who's been angry that I haven't been dropping a history of the band uh, <laughs> jingle,
0: I history of the jingle. band jingle Not right now. Lie,
2: yeah. It's it's dropping right now. History
1: of the band.
2: This is a band from Victorville, California, formed in 1991. Um, well, actually, '88 is uh, that's when Trevor Keith, Matt Riddell, um. Who were high school friends along with Todd and Matt Atmeyer, who were guitar and drums, they formed a band called Victoria Manor, and it lasted a couple years. That disbanded, and then Keith and Riddle from the new band called Zero Tolerance with drubber Rob Kirth and guitarist Mark Hake. Um, they never made a record, they had a demo tape. Uh, they decided to go in a new musical direction because it was kind of a metal band and they wanted to do something different. So they changed the name to Face to Face. That's when Mark Hake left and they continued on as a three piece. Um, they toured a little bit around that area and then um, they got into a studio in Hollywood, California in October 91 and recorded their first album, Don't. Turn Away, which was released in 1992 on Fat. Well, it was on Doctor Strange Records, and then it was re-released on Fat Records. Fat Records. Little we'll playing words there. Uh, Big choice. Their next record came out in 1995. That was released on Victory Records in '95, and then re-released on a and Records and disconnected was served up to alternative radio. That was their first uh, you know, radio single that was pushed. And then they put out a self-titled record in 96. Uh, and, th- and that was also on a and Records. And that is the first with Scott Shiflett on bass. Um, he's the brother, trivia, yes. of Chris yes. Shiflett, of the mm-hmm. Foo Fighters. Yes. Um, he's also in the Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, I believe. Yes. And then so you've got three albums, all you know, all on different record labels to start, and then the two of them make it to A and M, and then they go to Beyond Records, which um, is an interesting choice because it was best known for not punk music. Huh. Um, they bring they bring it, Rob Kurth leaves on drums and Pete Parada. Uh, is on drums. And Ignorance is Bliss comes out in July of 1999. Also, in 99, they released a covers album called Standards and Practices, and that came out on Vagrant Records. Um, 2000, uh, Reactionary, that was also on Vagrant, and this is their last album with guitarist Chad Yarrow. 2002, How to Ruin Everything. Everything. That was also on Vagrant. And then they broke up. They got back together and released Laugh Now, Laugh Later in 2011 on People Like You Records. Three Chords and a Half Truth released on Rise Records in 2013. Protection released in 2016 on Fat Records. It was the first album recorded with new guitarist Dennis Hill after Yarrow left the band again. And then this Past year they released uh is it this past year or was it this year? Uh No Way Out But Through. Out on Fat Records again. I think it was maybe last fall.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say September, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. They've had a couple of live albums, a whole bunch of EPs that have come out, sometimes a split EP with the like bands like Horse Pinker, Dropkick Murphy's, and Rise Against. And then they've also had a number of covers albums. I'm sorry, compilation albums. Um, they did an acoustic sessions in 2008, and then they did a second Standards and Practices release in 2020.
4: And that's about it for the band. Um, Chad, you listened to Face to Face before this episode?
0: I don't know that I had. I had a conception of what they were like, I think just because of who they came up with. Um, like uh, our roundtables that they came up in, or being associated with different bands, like, you know, I sort of thought of them as a some kind of pop punk sound. But I don't know that I ever heard them.
2: I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually actively listened to the band. I, they might have might have heard them in college when they were getting played in college radio, mm-hmm. but I don't recall. Yeah. But this is my first exposure to like a full record. Of theirs which i believe eric grubbs is going to murder me in my sleep because i think he's a huge yeah uh, face-to-face fan and um if he hears this and he finds out i never actually listened to the band he, he might get upset <laughs> so i pre-apologize eric well here we are here we are we're we're, we're rectifying that error
0: this is what we do here we dig mm-hmm. up records we've never heard before
2: We got some comments over at Patreon. Ian McIver said, I think this album fell into the CD trap of must be between 50 and 60 minutes. It sounds like a skate punk band going alt rock. A bit of filler on the album, but there is a strong EP here. After seeing how the poll was going and other comments, I gave the album another listen. Unfortunately, it didn't change my opinion, but maybe if it was a bit more familiar with the, if I was a bit more familiar with the band and their peers, I might be more in line with the other, sorry. Cal Bittner said, If I'm not mistaken, this album was overlooked and panned by a number of fans because of the quote unquote shift in sound. What a bunch oh, of yeah. bullshit. <laughs> Boom. They took yes. their speedy skate punk sound and slowed it down a notch. So did every other skate punk band in the 90s, like Bad Religion, Lagwagon, and to a certain mm-hmm. degree, No Effects, among others. Why go after a band like Face to Face? Most punk bands around this time tried their hand at an alt rock sound. It still has the hooks, melody, and musicianship of early albums. Worthy records. Steven Muszynski said, Sometime in the late 90s, I fell in love with the self-titled Face-to-Face album from 1996. I had a copy on cassette courtesy of BMG's Monthly Music Club. And I listened to it a lot. Nice. Over the years, I've slowly acquainted myself with the majority of the catalog, yet is bliss has remained a blind spot for me until now. So thanks, Darren. Now, I'm all for bands taking chances on pushing the boundaries of their sound, so I would never pan this record on that context alone. But this album not only finds the band sounding different, but it also puts forth a totally different mood and feel. They sound really sad to me on this album, which is the polar opposite of the material I know and love, which comes across as positive, upbeat, and really goddamn catchy. It wasn't until track eight, I Know What You Are, that I thought, okay, now this this song actually feels like face-to-face to me. Gonna have to take this for another spin or two before I vote, as my first listen left me scratching my noggin. Scratching my noggin, uh, name of my uh, autobiography. If I was a betting man, I would wager that Tim and Jay only know the band by name and general <laughs> association. God damn you, Steven Musinski, You're good. So, I'm really curious to
0: this show before.
2: Yeah, it's like he's like he he knows that we're frauds and we've never actually listened to any music and that we're just making this up as we go along. So, I'm really curious to hear what they think of the album without the bias of being attached to previous albums in the band's discog. Excellent insight. I
3: I love that point too.
2: In a way, the album title, Ignorance is Bliss, is totally apropos. (laughs) It describes Tim and I, it does. Blissfully ignorant. Adam Rogan says, I only know face-to-face from the Big Choice album. I love the song, Disconnected, but the rest of the album isn't for me. Now, this is more my style. The songwriting is great. The production is super clean. While maintaining a noisy guitar sound, worthy album, this was a pleasant surprise. Nearly impossible. My favorite track, I would drop, I Know What You Are and Bottle Rockets. Steven Brzezinski chimed in once more. After two full album listens, I can honestly say there are only three songs from this album that stand out to me. <laughs> Nearly Impossible, I Know What You Are, and Run a Circle. So Adam and Steven are at opposite ends on the song, I Know What You Are. I even listened to the bonus tracks to see if I could tack one of those on to make it more respe- a respectable EP, but no dice. This album is too sad sounding, and so many of these songs just end up blending together for me. So this is a decent CD single for a better ep on technicality i have a lot of love for face to face so i'm going to call it an ep
4: with a <laughs> uh, a bit of a, a a bit of a um sad face i
2: it, i've heard this song, album called emo based on my some of the reading i did so maybe that's the sadness although mm. yeah i think that's
3: cheap i think that's lazy but it is. It opinion. is. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Speaking of lazy, let's go to Jay and find out what his thoughts are.
0: <laughs> let's go to the laziest person in this conversation.
2: <laughs> no, uh, we will have a uh, our poll results at the end of this episode. We'll find out who actually voted for worthy album, better EP, and decent single but first. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about "Ignorance Is Bliss" by Face to Face.
0: This reminded me of a lot of early, I would say 2000s post punk emo adjacent rock that I was super into and um, kind of took me back to that time. I'm thinking, like, hey, Mercedes as a band that came up quite a bit to me. There were also moments where their range can get into maybe even like a shiner or cave in space. Uh, so it was this big guitar sound, really aggressive drums. And emotive vocals that I guess you could say are emo or emo adjacent, I suppose, but it's not whiny at all. You know, it's to me like almost crooning in a very deep, uh, honest voice. Um, I think his range is really quite good as well. So it was very emotive vocally, but not what I would consider emo vocal, I guess, in a stereotypical sense. Uh, Like those bands, it's very dynamic, a lot of, you know, shape-shifting riffs and, like, uh, twists and turns, uh, pauses, you know, harmonics on the guitar, little bass runs, the guitar tones are interesting, you know, and the way they play, too. They'll be kind of chunky chords, but they'll also do some picking out you know, and things that are chimey and almost spacey that, you know, there's some moments on here where it almost got to a failure kind of feel to me with like some of the note note choices on guitar and some of the tones too. Um, So, I mean, it's a band that sound to me sounds powerful, but melodic, which is what I'm looking for most of the time. Uh, And, and pretty hooky, you know, I think songs like overcome nearly impossible. I think the devil, you know, to me is like, I don't know how that was not a hit song on the radio that yeah. just to me yeah. hits me like right away. It's like, boom, this is a hit song. Like this should have been all over. there's some legit hooks here i think the last thing i would say that makes it i think stand out from maybe what i was expecting what i would consider some other let's say like a blink 182 uh, is just the how good the bass and drums are in terms of like putting down a really like heavy groove and i think the bass tone is great i think the the drums are also aggressive sounding but not like a typical punk feel they they've got a backbeat to them uh there's some really cool technical fills so it just again gives it this weight from the rhythm section both the bass playing the bass tone and the drum performance where um it's not like a to me like a punk band but also when they get in maybe some of the mid-tempo slow stuff the drums are still very aggressive, you know, so it doesn't completely kind of deflate and, and get too far out of character. Like it has this little bit of grit and aggression just because the drum playing and the drum tone is, is more, you know, louder and, you know, more open. Uh, so, you know, I thought the performances were also pretty, uh,
4: pretty notable here too. What'd you like, Tim?
2: Well- Accidentally, when I was you know, reading the, the Wikipedia page for the album, I went back and was scrolling through some of their previous records, and I looked at what they covered on the, on the, the album that came out the same year, which is Standard and Practices. Mm-hmm. They covered The Smiths, In Excess, Sugar, The Psychedelic Furs, The Pixies, and they covered Planets of Sound by The Pixies, which is actually one of my favorite Pixie songs. Um, they covered the jam, Duran Duran, Big Country, and I thought that's really interesting that this band shifted their sound the same time that they were doing these covers because I hear in this, like you mentioned the crooning that um, Trevor Keith does, which is, it 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 falls somewhere between like Alan Apley of Shiner at times. Um, it has a little bit of, it reminded me of um, is it Greg Gaffin? Is that the lead singer of Bad Religion? It reminded me a little bit of Bad
4: Religion at times, but you know, more melodic. Um, and I heard in some of this, this
2: not slower, because there's not even that's like necessarily like slow, but in some of the more mid-tempo-y stuff, I could hear the influence of like some of these 80s bands that are alternative, but not punk. They were, you know, New Wave or, or post-punk or whatever you want to call them. And I wonder how much that rubbed off on them deciding to change their sound to be- make basically an alternative rock record instead of a punk rock record. And I think it really pays off. Um, I tend to like the noisier songs. So like, I Know What You Are, Apathetic. Like, I think those are really interesting. There's That's to me is the best use of their like twin guitar attack between trevor keith and and um Chad yarrow i like it when you can hear because some of the songs the guitars are doing two things but they're both like like one's playing a chord and maybe one is playing like an octave chord yeah. it's not necessarily a lead per se so it's not as dynamic as some of the other songs like i mentioned that have some really interesting lead stuff sometimes the lead stuff is just like noise and it's just or feedback or or these very uh abrasive notes but i liked when i was able to distinguish between the two um his voice you mentioned the devil you know i mean jesus that's a big ass song that should be a, a big radio song um and overcome and there's just a ton of like big Belted out choruses and and vocals that the the band that I heard at times was like a hot rod circuit. Mm. Um in terms of the energy, in terms of the even just even his vocal cadence reminded me of of the guy from Hot Rod Circuit. Not as shouty as Hot Rod Circuit would be at yeah. times.
4: Yeah. Not as but spastic. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you though.
2: Um and I, th- I think that the Hey Me- Her Mercedes early 2000s sound, you know, it, it, you could call it the Vagrant Record sound, to be honest. Yeah. Which is where they end up and where, where
4: Hey Mercedes released um, their, I think, their first record. Um, but there's, I mean, there's so many good, tight little rock
2: songs on this that it feels like, um the people who heard this and went, oh, well, this isn't punk anymore. I don't like it anymore. Um, they missed out. Like if yeah. they didn't go back to this a couple of years later and and give it a second chance, I I I think they're missing out. Cause I think there's some really, really strong songwriting. And there's a couple of songs where they get a little overindulgent in terms of length, but I I feel like this band hits it perfect when they're in like the three fifty four minute like mark. 425 something in there like i don't need them to be two minute long songs because they got a lot to say musically that's really interesting Yeah, there was a a lot to think about this record. Every player is really good. Everybody's doing the. It sounds cool. Um, It's a big sound. It's, you know, I don't. It doesn't sound. Um, I think I'm happy that that punk drum beat's not there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing that you can, uh, you can hear everybody too. Like you can hear the bass player. You can hear the drummer. You can hear all the drums. <laughs> you no know, I'm just i going into this yeah I was expecting like you would hear snare drum, no kick, barely hear any bass, you know, and uh, that's not what it is at all. it's very well produced It's got a distinct sound, but very well produced
2: yeah, yeah, Darren, what worked best for you or works best for you on this record?
3: Well, interestingly enough, similar to you guys, um this album is my entry point into the band um I first heard it when I was in high school, I had a friend that was a punk drummer and this was his favorite uh, band. And this was the album that I got turned on to. And, uh, and just, I just, I just listened to an interview with uh, Trevor Keith lead singer um, from the top Toby Morris podcast from uh, 2020 one, one life, one chance podcast, really good. And he was talking about the album itself because it's been such a hot issue amongst the fan. And he said, They purposely made a departure album and they veered away from their sound. It was a conscious effort um, that it was their idea. No AR guys, no input from management. he said, people just didn't get it at first. And he said, he's very proud of this album, that he thinks it's a different side of them and the creativity. And he said, they never worked harder on an album. And uh, he said he was going on about how much their fans rejected it. But he thought to himself, or he said in this interview, he said, what's more punk rock than taking a hard left turn? And he said, our fans just didn't see it that way. And he said, this album really influenced the next album, which was reactionary. And then uh, uh, he also said, um, he thinks it's one of the best records they ever made and will be one of the crowning achievements for our career looking back. And um, this was the most interesting part was, he said they had to stop the Ignorance is Bliss tour He said people paid money to spit on them and throw things at them. And with 10 stops left in the tour, they actually pulled the plug on the tour and made up an excuse as to why. Uh, So I found, I find all that stuff fascinating. And in 2012, Scott Shiflett and Trevor Keith went out on an acoustic tour and they did the album start to finish. So they don't play anything live off of it but he said he would be open to doing that kind of thing again. And he thinks that like looking back, it's going to get a lot, it's going to get more like favorable, you know, opinions. And, that, you know, the fans have kind of softened on it over the years. And, but um, like I said, it was my entry point into the band. Um, I love the dynamics. I love the vocals. I love the, the, the big shifts and sound It's some, you know, halfway through some of the songs. Um, I love Pete Parada's drumming. He's now the drummer of uh, Offspring, as a matter of fact. And yeah, I don't know. It's like to me, it just, when I heard they were a punk band and then I heard this, I'm like, okay, this is not what I think a punk band is. Um, I love the big hooks. There's some seriously um, big, huge stadium choruses. I even think some of the verses are very hooky as well. Uh, I like the mid tempo rockers. I love Pathetic as a super, freak out heavy track um, I love the guitar tones there's just there's so much I love about this album uh, I think it's daring I think it's bold and and I applaud them for making this a brave choice and, and taking a creative direction like this so
0: It's mind blowing me to me coming to the record without that context to think of this as controversial in any way.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. if you go back and listen to the nineteen ninety six self titled, you can hear it's a drastic shift in sound. It's huge, but to to think that punk fans would be that close minded, I just I
4: don't I don't know. That's something I have a hard time with. But yeah, wild. you're on mute tim sorry if you go to um like amazon and
2: read the reviews there are still people in 2021 who are like this is the worst face-to-face album
3: so he re-released it on vinyl on antagonist records that's his album it's sold out can't get a copy of it right now um so he, he, he said that he's had fans come up to him saying like, that's a great album. Why don't you play anything off of it? But he goes, I feel like some of those people are the same people 20 years ago that were throwing things at me. So, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah. And I, can, I mean, you know, if you were expecting. You know, a punk record and, and you get, you know, a song like Nearly Impossible it could be yeah. You could slap Liam Gallagher on that, and that's an Oasis song. I mean, it's a huge, big guitar sound, mid tempo, kind of like bopping along. That could have been on Be Here Now. I mean, it's, there is a wide swath of sounds on this album that, you know, they could have made a, fu- all, all, it could have all sounded like Fugazi. And you'd be like, okay, well, this is their post punk record. This is cool. their Discord record. But they really, pushed a lot of little interesting things here and there that make it much more listenable i think
3: well it's funny you said about oasis because that was my notes for track 11 lost i put simple ballad simple repetitive lyrics hooky gives me oasis vibes short sweet little guitar solo so i had that for track 11 so i, I find that yep. interesting that you said that about that's yeah.
2: another one when he sing like yep. the, some of the chorus stuff he, he, sure, gets- he kept he kept some of them some of the songs to like
3: two lines and he just kept Repeating, I, I don't know. I thought it was very effective. But I don't know. Yeah, just interesting choices. I, I love the choices on this record.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Jay, what doesn't work for you on the record?
4: Well, the band that I thought of immediately, um, actually before, you know, the the post punk
0: emo stuff was Foo Fighters, and I'm talking about modern current food Fighters. Right, so, Mm -hmm. and this felt like an oh
4: shit, like this is what the Foo Fighters are
0: trying to do, like taking a a a punk ethos and then, but creating really commercial songs. But there's like this underbelly energy and sort of work ethic and sort of belief that you know Dave Grohl has had in both who he gets in the band, getting Chris Shiflet, for example. Mm -hmm and Pat Smear, people who have like punk credibility, but then repackaging it in a much more accessible sound. Mm-hmm. Even the drummer sounds like Taylor Hawkins at times to me. So that was like a first touchdown. Now the thing I and it sort of helped me understand like even more about the Foo Fighters than I maybe had understood. So the thing that doesn't work for them is actually the same thing. It doesn't work for me with the Foo Fighters is that it's almost so perfect, like a, such a perfect balance of everything that it can come off at times a little homogenized. Like I I think it's, it it saves itself because there's so many compelling moments that it pulls you back in, or at least for me, it was pulling me back in, but there would be, you know, portions of the record where I would sort of float off and just get that kind of like, Oh, this sounds like a Foo Fighters record. That makes sense. Like mm-hmm. sounds a little vanilla. Um, so I, I think that's the only critical thing I can say is that there are some moments in, in parts of this record where it starts to get in that space. And obviously the Foo Fighters are an incredibly successful band and, uh, A lot of people don't have the that same critique as I have about them, but it hit me in the same way that sometimes listening to the Foo Fighters records hit me. Um, So minor critique. um, I think overall, I'll get to my rating, but that was the only negative I had. What about you, Tim?
2: Yeah, I think the thing that I was just missing, and it's just across, you know, like half the record. I wanted some more lead guitar stuff. I don't need solos. I don't need you know yeah. big showy stuff. But I we, you know, we talked about bands like Hot Rod Circuit and Hey Mercedes. Hot Rod Circuit had some really really cool lead stuff, like very inventive, and it's not complicated. But it was they just made some really interesting choices as far as leads go and and playing with two guitars and how they can bounce stuff off of each other. And I don't feel like. There is as much on this record as I would like to hear. Some of the times it's there. You mentioned a little solo in Lost. There's some noisy stuff that happens in a couple of the songs. But I I feel like there are some verses where I would have liked to have heard a counter melody to the vocal or something. Just there was it just didn't happen in, in spots where I wanted it to happen. And it did get a little like samey in some spots where I was like, am I on, am I in the first half of this record still? Or am I, where am I in the back half? Um, yeah. So that was, that was just a nitpick for me. Cause overall I think it's a strong record, but I just wanted some more, um, you know, that's like, like you mentioned failure. One of the things I always look forward to in failure is like, what messed up lead is going to be in this song. I know there's going to be like three notes that are in, in order. Yeah. And then there's gonna be one really bizarre note in there. Um, and that's one of the things I anticipate with that band is that there's going to be some really cool lead guitar stuff. And that just didn't happen here. And I was missing that same with Shiner. I mean, Shiner has got all sorts of weird guitar things happening in their songs and time signatures and, and whatnot. So, and I know when you're, when you're going from like sort of a punk band that a lot of those bands don't utilize the second guitar in the same way that, a post-punk band would. So that's, that was my only real complaint. Um, Darren, is there anything that doesn't work for you on the record after having listened to it for 20 years? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's
3: a couple tracks I could kind of do without. Probably, I think Running Circles was kind of like, you know, I said my note was kind of like punkier song, but, you know, a couple heavier breakdowns. But I don't know, it just kind of meh to me. And I kind of felt that way, too, about um, actually, maybe that's the only one. I don't know. I I just I I really feel like it holds up after repeated listens. And I think there's little nuances that kind of stick out the more you listen to it. Um, I even have like detailed notes of when things shift and what point of the song. And I find like some songs can kind of sound like they're going to go the same way for the whole entire song. And then they do something to really change it up. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of critiques of the album to be honest with you. I love the drums, I love the rhythm, I love the vocals, I love the different things they do with the vocals and the melodies and the harmonies. I don't know. I don't have a lot of complaints about it. Maybe it's a little too there's a like you said Tim, a few of the songs are probably could be a little shorter. But overall I I don't know. I think it's a fantastic album.
2: I think it sounds good and the band self-produced it which is kind of impressive.
0: That's a, that's, a, that's very impressive.
2: Because usually you'd be fighting over to push your instrument the loudest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's actually very impressive. I mean, there's some things going on sonically here that um, could have been a disaster. What they're trying to pull off is at times actually very difficult to pull off. Um, and it's produced very well.
2: I should mention. Jay, uh, do you
3: hear? Sorry. Sorry, Tim. Um, Trevor uh, Jay, and you Scott
2: hear- <laughs> produced it along with Chad Blinman, who was, uh, I guess they brought in as far as a, engineering and mixing as well. So sorry, go ahead, Darren.
3: That's okay. Uh, Jay, do you hear uh, early lonely the brave in in uh, this? I do, yeah. like, big time, Yeah. big yeah, I time. Can hear that? The yeah. first singer, the first yep. singer, like I hear, like pretty strong actually. Um, and I was kind of surprised by that when I kind of started kind of thinking like, what can I kind of like link this to in like newer groups or you know like um but yeah i don't know I, I i got to see them uh on the reactionary tour which was uh november 2000 in ottawa at a little club for 20 bucks and they didn't play a single song off ignorance's bliss it's like that all never existed <laughs> it was just it was strange and it was a uh, you know not even a full year. Well, a little bit over a year after it was released. So, um,
4: what do you make of um, Stephen's comments about the lyrical change? I love it. I.
3: They, they, he was thirty when he wrote this album. Yeah, right? uh, I, fourth album. Um, he's talked about that too. He was very self-reflective when he wrote it. I, I don't. I don't necessarily feel sadness. At it. I just. I feel like somebody that's being kind of like honest with themselves and I love the lyrics. I think they're a little deeper and and I like that. I don't think they're just surface and throwaway. And and he 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 even said in the interview I listened to he takes time to really consider what he's writing, that lyrics do matter to him. Um, and he wanted they wanted to say something. They wanted to make a statement for this album. And I don't know. I'm not I'm not saddened by it. I don't know. Maybe some people get that
4: vibe, but I don't I don't get that necessarily
0: it didn't hit me as overly sad
4: i mean i don't know um, it certainly wasn't what i would describe as typical emo either like either vocal or lyrically it didn't feel yeah. that
3: well and i melodramatic. mean I think we throw that we throw that term around too loosely i mean radiohead writes very emotive songs We don't call them emo do you know what i mean like yeah, I, right. I don't know like i just i think with that term gets thrown around way too loosely but just because something's a motive, as in somebody's being confessional or what have you, you know, I don't think yep. it necessarily deserves that tag.
2: We're that all emo tag. sometimes.
3: Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. Overall, I have a hard time finding issue with this album. I mean, Pete Parada made such a big difference, I think, as a drummer. Like, if you listen to the 1996 record, And then you listen to this one, there's a big change. There's a big change in the dynamics and how he pushes and, you know, like some really cool drum fills and breakdowns and, you know, I think he knows when to lean back too. And that's so key. so I love that. (laughs)
2: About our ratings on this record, we'll share the poll in a moment. But Jay, where do you land? Where, where the album better EP or decent single?
0: I'm at a worthy album. I'm. I have to say, I'm. I'm near a perfect album. Um, I think the criticism I had about
4: it feeling a little bit vanilla or just getting a little lost in the record at times i think
0: what would make it perfect is maybe trim it down a track or two uh maybe lose something like maybe next time
4: um shorten maybe a song here or there i'm with you on throw some just a couple more
0: maybe little guitar weird guitar things in to just help shake shake you up even a little bit more but man it's a i'm looking at my notes here and and what i do when i take notes is if you know i like the track i bold it i mean i've got every track bolded except for the last one so that's for 13 track record that is uh, notable for me i don't usually have you know 12 out of 13 songs
4: bolded, so it's a it's a worthy album for me
2: Jay, I agree asking? with you. I think it's a worthy record. There's not, there's not a bad song on here. I, I would, you know, if you want to trim it up for length, because it's at, it's over fifty minutes. It's fifty two minutes. You could do that. You might want to drop, you know, one or two songs. But I honestly like. There's, there is, there's not one stinker, on the album. Um, but yeah, I just, I just would like a little bit more, guitar wizardry. Just give me some. Just give me a weird effect here or there.
0: Yeah, I mean it has some some moments. I, I yeah, I'm thinking it needs twice as many as it has now.
4: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, Darren.
3: Oh, it's it's a worthy album for me for sure. And and guitar effects. I don't know. I've got some notes on that. Uh, Overcome the first track. I, I love the outro effect that they do. They make this like weird crackling kind of you know, uh, sound. And I don't know, just, I, I love the chiminess, uh, nearly impossible. They have a wavy guitar intro in the beginning, that guitar solo at three twenty. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I almost wonder if less is more in this case.
2: I tell you what, I'll sit you down know? with this. I will play my guitar. <laughs> I'll, I'll do what Steve McDonald did with red blood cells and white blood cells or whatever that record was that he played bass on it. By the white stripes, <laughs> I'll just lay down oh, some. I, I'll lay down some sweet, sweet licks.
3: There you go. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I think there's some huge choruses on here. Um, Heart of Hearts. There's like a vocal round. He uses his own vocals to do like a vocal round, which I think is really freaking cool. How often you hear that? Yeah. Uh, you know, like Devil You Know. I mean, like you guys said, that's that's a that's a hit song. I don't. It was on a soundtrack. Says.
2: Was on was the it? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, uh, yep. TV soundtrack, I think.
3: And uh, ten pathetic just kicks my ass. The heavy breakdown at two twenty seven. Uh, yeah, it's a good song. The guitar sound at two twenty eight. It does like oh, I just I don't know. And I think maybe one too many ballads. That would be like my biggest complaint. But um, they're nice ballads though. I don't know. Like it's it's maybe a resequencing of the album but I don't know it's a, it's a worthy album to me it holds up and at first it had some hooks I remember listening to it and I kind of put it down for a while and then I'd pick it up every once in a while and kind of almost listen to it in the background and things would catch my ear if you know what I mean and, and uh, yeah it's just it's grown on me and it's grown on me so worthy album all the way
0: it is well, a bit of a grower in that way too like I think yeah. first people yes. listens I was like oh this is cool but I wasn't really Coming away with memorable hooks or anything. And it took maybe three, four listens where it was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And like I found myself getting deeper into the record. I
2: concur. And our patrons concurred. 78% went with a worthy album, 22% with better EP. Nobody chose decent single. Steven Muzinski thought better of it. And so that's a pretty big. Uh, a pretty big difference there 78% with worthy album so i think this pairs well with your pick from last year uh the age of electric
3: a little bit on a hot streak here you are yeah two's a streak right
0: it is <laughs> it is <laughs> don't break it
3: <laughs> oh no pressure for next year none <laughs>
2: Well, thank you for bringing this record to us, Darren. I'm glad we finally got to talk about this band. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me
3: too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, with Tim, we don't have to pretend like we've heard this band before. Yeah. Because we, we have.
2: The problem is in like three years, I'll completely forget about the fact that we <laughs> did this. And I'd be like, didn't we review face-to-face? And what the hell do they sound like? Because uh, my brain is slowly melting. It's just happening. Uh, but. Uh, if you would like to suggest an album for this podcast, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com, throw an album in our suggestion form, and it'll reach our our team of monkeys that control all the albums that get suggested, and they will use their 10,000 typewriters to, uh, to uh, create a playlist uh, or, a, or a poll for us in the future. We're running weekly polls now. Uh, we're like goddamn Rasmussen over here. <laughs> and uh, Man, we got a
0: lot of we got a lot of records to dig up. We, got work we do. To do over here.
2: Th- over 300 in our in our hopper. Right, Jay? There is. Yes. So and counting 300 and counting. More came in today. More will come yeah. in tomorrow. It's just how it happens. And uh, we'll we'll eventually get him in all into polls. That's why we're running them weekly now. Uh, we're running it uh, tournament style at the end of each month. Uh, the winner of each week uh, face off, and uh, they fight for the uh, the privilege of being discussed by us,
0: face to face, if you will.
2: Uh, yeah, a couple of of ignoramuses uh, who are face who to are virtual blissful. face. Yes. <laughs> uh, Patreon is where you go. To vote in those polls, it's it's where you go to vote in uh, not only the polls for the records, but for, uh, depending on what level you're at, you can vote in roundtables, roundtable polls, which we do uh, every month, and then also you can check out our bonus content, like 80s episodes, which we'll be doing a new 80s episode this month, and you can read the box newsletter there, which comes out every week, sign up at digmeoutpodcast.com get it delivered to your email inbox. Two new reviews every week, plus our release calendar, movies, music, TV shows, books relevant to 80s and 90s music that we cover. And finally, Apple Podcasts is where you go if you like what you heard and you'd like to leave us some positive feedback. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.